Welcome to the LBCF podcast. Our vision is to learn to live and love like Jesus, where we live, work, and play. To find out more about our community, you can visit us at lbcf.org. We hope you are encouraged and challenged by this teaching from our community. Uh, hello, everyone. My name is Lily, and I will be introducing our speaker today, C. <laughs> Um, I've known C for almost 10 years now. We are good friends, so Alvia asked me to introduce them. Um, so last week, C was telling me about sort of their process, getting ready to give this message, and they said something along the lines of, like, they were letting go of trying to come across as this all-knowing, perfect, like, preacher, and instead is just embracing being a human with thoughts and opinions on the Bible and just wants to share that with you. And it reminded me of this Socrates quote that goes, it's, <laughs> it's, it, it actually did, like I didn't look that up. <laughs> it, it says something along the lines of, the wisest men know that they know nothing. And I think a lot of great philosophers know that they don't know everything, and you can't know everything that there is to know, but they want to learn as much as they can, and I definitely think that C has that, and that's why I'm so excited to hear what they have to say this morning. Yeah. Give it up. Okay, sorry, it's gonna, there we go, mask off now. Uh, hello. Wow, that's so loud. I'm very sorry. Hold on, I'm... Okay, hello, my name is C. Uh, I'm 17 and my pronouns are they, them. Um, and I'm gonna be, for better or for worse, giving the message today. Um, I wanna start off by saying that uh, I picked out this topic a couple of weeks ago um, before I knew about the new theme we have of doing justice and loving mercy. So uh, if it, it does conveniently play into that message, but it is not part of like the pastoral teams speaking message, just a disclaimer. This is stuff I came up with. I'm not speaking for them. <laughs> Yay, okay. Um, and then also, ooh, wow, that is loud. I'm very sorry. Um, also, I am a junior in high school, so I have the MLA format like driven into my brain. Uh, so I'm gonna be drawing from lots of different parts of the Bible today. Um, you don't need to read all of them, I promise. I just need lots of evidence, otherwise I feel like I'm making an incomplete argument and you can blame my English teacher for that. Okay, so um, when Alvia asked me to do this a couple months ago, um, my first thought was, oh, I wanna do something from the Sermon of the Mount because that's what we were talking about when Alvia first introduced the idea of a youth Sunday. And so I'm thinking and I'm marinating about, okay, well, what part of the Sermon on the Mount speaks to me? And I really wanted to do one of those like big passages with a lot of context, but what kept going back, coming back in my brain is this conversation we had about Matthew 7, 21 to 23. Um, and I understand it is not the most um, typical verse to go with. It's a little bit jarring, a little bit scary. Um, and that's actually what we had the conversation about of being like, okay, what is this verse? Because I'm, I'm terrified of it. Um, I don't, I don't want to be seen as an imperfect Christian and do all this work and go before God and then be like, no. Um, so 
I did some digging and I kind of looked at this from a perspective of, okay, what is, what is Jesus saying about this? Because I'm not the kind of person that can sit and like meditate and pray and then come out with all these answers from the Lord. I, I'm not, I've not mastered that yet. Those of you who can, I envy you. I don't know if I'm ever going to get there, but uh, I went and I looked at what is, what is Jesus saying about what it is to be a Christian? And this kind of idea, the more I looked, the more I kind of marinated around really what Jesus is saying, um, I noticed that he ta- he, what he does most a lot of the time is serving other people. He talks a lot about faith and he has all these amazing parables and teachings, but some of the most important things Jesus does is help people. And not just help people from a place of like elevated glory, being like, oh, you're so lucky that I'm interacting with you here, let me bless you. No, he, he doesn't do any of that. He sits with people um, despite what people tell him to, um, despite what the religious leaders say. He finds a place within people who are marginalized, people who are not um, typically loved by the church in the way that they should be. Uh, And so I found lots of instances of Jesus talking about this, specifically in Matthew 25, where he gives a similar message about rejecting people um, who came to heaven and had not helped people. He said... um, Did you clothe me when I was clothesless? Did you feed me while I was hungry? Did you give me water when I was thirsty in in Matthew 25? And by, he's talking about by giving people who are in need of resources, in need of some assistance, by living in community with them and standing by them, you are standing by and living in community with Jesus. Um, And so that is kind of, I got tunnel vision at that point, and that's what I decided to focus in on. And we have similar messages in John 15 and then Mark 10. They're scattered all over the place. Uh, And so I came with this, oh, wow, I'm so sorry. I'm going to apologize a lot for this mic because I'm new to it. Um, I came with all these ideas of, like, ministries that I thought were doing such a good job. Um, 5,000 Pies, which is a great resource for, um, it offers jobs and some pretty good food. Um, Precious Lambs, which we just so happen to be praying for today, which is just an amazing resource for moms who are trying to provide for their children and provide a loving environment for them. Uh, And I had all these examples, and Alvia is listening to this on the phone, and he goes, see, that's great, uh, but how does this apply to you? How does this apply to your life? And I'm I'm like, I don't know. Like, I I don't do all this cool, crazy stuff like they do. I'm not sure, and he's like, kind of silent on the line for a long time. And then he goes, see, how have people loved you when you were marginalized? And then I remembered, oh, right, that. Um, so for those of you who don't know, I'm gay and queer. Um, and I think most of you know that being gay and queer and the church is not a particularly fun thing to do. Uh, there are a lot of hurdles, and I just kind of wanted to share a little bit how community really was the thing that saved me after dealing with all that. So when I was in fourth or fifth grade, I started to realize something was a little bit different about me. I didn't have a name for it yet. I didn't have all the answers yet, just like I don't have all the answers now. Um, and it put me in a tailspin, and I ended up in a psychiatric hospital, and it was not a pretty time. And I got to middle school, and um, things started making sense for me. 
I was really working on keeping my mental health stable, about like trying to feel like I understood what was going on with me in the world and making a place for myself, um, and things started clicking a little bit. So like anyone who was raised in the church, um, I, when I first started feeling like, okay, maybe this is something I'm I'm understanding about myself, I went straight to my youth pastor because I was like, holy cow, look look at what this is happening. Um, And I had done some research and I had seen that some churches were super affirming and some weren't and I just kind of assumed, oh, we're gonna be affirming, I like it here. And I I told him and he said, "Um, we don't really do that here. And I was like, okay. Well, that's that's too bad, but I can I can hang in there and I'll find myself a place. And I'm not gonna lie, it was a little bit heartbreaking for me, but I really did believe I would I would be able to stick with it and figure it out. Um, and so, a, a little bit after I told my parents, who were um, amazing about it. I mean, it was a little rough in the beginning, but that's the case with literally any coming out story. So. Um, I went to my summer camp that I went to for church, and I loved that summer camp. It was one of my favorite places in the whole world. And I decided, okay, I'm going to find someone here who can understand me and who can give me the answers and who can support me. And I went up to this person. Well, I guess this person kind of came up to me, actually, and was like, hey, like, I see a lot of myself in you. Um, a lot of these little things that made me think, okay, maybe, maybe I found the secret gay in this uh, in this community, uh, and they're like wearing the flannel, and I'm getting the gay vibes, and I'm like, okay, this is it, this is it for me, uh, and so it's like midnight. Um, I'm far away from my cabin. I'm far away from my church pastors. There's no service, so I'm not, I can't text or call anyone. I'm just one-on-one with this one person, and they're talking to me, and their story is a lot like mine, and I'm really excited. So I go for it, and I say, okay gay. Silence. I'm like, well, that's too bad. Uh, And then they said, oh, I get that. I used to be gay. Whoops. I misjudged this entire situation. Uh, They said, don't worry. Um, You know what? Real Christians, they don't have gay thoughts. So we're going to fix this real quick. If you're a real Christian, you've got this. And I was like, and I'm like immediately backpedaling. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. And I'm lying. I'm like, oh, no, no, I'm going to be celibate. Don't worry about it. They're like, no, no, no. The thoughts themselves are keeping you from being close to God. I can help you fix that. I want to be your mentor. And I'm like, nah, nope, this isn't it. Uh, and I'm not near any adults I know, and so they're asking me, like, hey, can I have your parents' name and your phone numbers, your church's name, your pastor's name? And I'm just lying my, my butt off. I'm like, I don't know my phone number, and I literally have my phone in my hand. Uh, I don't know my parents' phone numbers. My phone is in my hand. Uh, I don't know who my youth pastor's name is and my church because I'm new to all this. Uh, she knows I had been at that church for 10 years. I'm, I'm just lying, okay? And she's like, okay, well, don't worry about it. Um, I know things can be foggy at this time of night. It's been a really long day. Just um, come to our table at breakfast, and you can come meet with us. And I was like, okay, I'll do that. And then I, you know, went to my cabin. And then the next morning, I bolted straight for the bathroom and, like, sat on the toilet with my both feet on the seat and, like, the door half open so it didn't look like I was in there. And I hid there for, like, two hours. Uh, and so after that, I was like, okay, well, I got to get out of here. Um, I don't know if there's ever going to be a place for me in church, uh, but I can't stay here. It's not safe for me, and I don't want to go back to where I was in the fourth and fifth grade where I was super unstable. Um, and so my parents, my amazing, wonderful parents, got me the heck out of there. <laughs> and they landed me here, um, which was wonderful, and I had amazing community there. But I, I still loved my family at my old church. Um, and there are people at my old church who 
we went and we started talking to them. We talked to them a lot. We were like, hey, um, this is what we're feeling. This is what we're doing. Can you please support us in this? Can you, like, this is how we're feeling. Like, C's not feeling like they fit. Um, and we just, we just want support. We want love. Can you make a space for them? And they heard what we were saying, and they acknowledged that it was, like, a scary experience for us. And then they said, that sounds rough, um, but unfortunately, that, that's just how it's going to be. And so I'm just like, I felt like I was like, who I was talking to, I kept talking and sharing this, and they, it just seemed like there was a disconnect. They were hearing me, but they didn't care. They didn't want, or maybe they did care, but they didn't feel like jumping out of where they were with me and figuring it out. Um, so ultimately, our family had to leave the church, and that was really sad, and I'm still really sad and a little mad inside about it. Um, but when I was thinking about this, I was like, okay, where in this are the people that really supported me? Um, and obviously there are people here that really support me. Um, for one, they're letting me speak here, which again, I'm not sure if that was a good decision. Like, I don't know who came up with that idea, but I, I'm not 100% sure they were completely sane while doing it. Um, that's amazing, but I also really focused on people from my old church who, who did step out and make way for me. Um, there are people who changed their theology because they saw me and saw what they're thinking and they really felt moved by God to embrace me and love me for whom I am and then slowly their, their theology evolved. And then there are people who still held that position um, that a non-affirming position, but still respected me and still loved me and still maintained relationships with us. They use my pronouns, they use my name, and even though they disagree, they're not going out of their way to harm me, they're not going out of their way to condemn me, they're not trying to change my mind. They understand that we can live like side by side and that my queerness is not my defining factor and that you can find relationship with me elsewhere. Um, and that's kind of what I really thought about when we thought about doing things in community because we can listen to what people are saying to us when they feel unwelcome and we can acknowledge that it's hard and we can be like wow that sounds really challenging thank you for sharing that with me and then we can do absolutely nothing afterward and still feel like yeah I did good this is it man uh, no it's not it unfortunately um, the idea of hearing from people is not just acknowledging where they are, but it's changing it so that they can be in community with us. And that's not just for them either. Like each person, when they're confident enough to share it and when they're coming forward with all these organized thoughts and prayers, you can guarantee that this person is a valued member of a community. And that if you let them in and if you make space for them, they're gonna make it better. Um, because it takes a lot of courage and a lot of organization to come forward and be like, okay, this is what I'm experiencing. Let me bless you with this, with my experience what's happening. And if, if we don't stop and be like, okay, what can we do to make the situation better? We're throwing away that gift. It's a waste. Not only are we kicking that person out or just not including them, but we're not like letting them in and not gaining benefits from a new community that's more inclusive, more loving. We're not letting them into our leadership. We're not encouraging them. It's just, Jesus is not like that. His disciples were tax collectors. His disciples were the woman at the well, someone who had, was maybe poor and had to go into sex work or prostitution or something like that, or um, just 
Jesus worked with people who were needy or were seen as unclean by the church, and he did amazing things through them. And not only that, he stayed with them. He stood by them when people were like, when the heads of the church were like, Jesus, you can't do that. You can't talk to these people. He looked them up and I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm going over there. Because that's, that's where he saw himself. That's where he saw God's creation was with people who were not benefiting from the church at the time. And I honestly think that one of the easiest ways to live as a Christian is to try and imitate Jesus to live like Jesus. He's this perfect example of a godly human on earth, or God on earth. So for me, it's, it's a given. Of course, we're going to want to spend time like Jesus, live like Jesus. Um, that's part of our church's motto, living and loving like Jesus. And that means action, and it means standing by people, and it means changing, and it means loving, um, and it's radically inclusive, radically understanding. So when I think about what is a welcoming church at LBCF, what is a church that stands by people? Well, we're already doing a lot of that by helping with precious lambs and with being open to hearing people. But I also want to see us surround people who are marginalized and welcome them in and adapt our space to them and not expect them to adapt to our space. And that is a struggle with every single church, I promise. Um, And I think just... We are equipped to change that and to not be like other churches and to just kind of surround these people and fill them with love and accept the gifts and the traditions that they're bringing to us and their gifts of speaking or of organization or maybe they're in their children's ministry or they're on the hospitality team and really welcoming and opening that place for them. So I'm going to go ahead and pray for us um, and hope that that we can learn to, you know, I'm just going to pray. I don't have fancy words for that one. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for this community that you have gathered here. Uh, Thank you for each individual who's here, who's listening, people who are at home from their living room and still doing the work by logging in and listening to us even if they can't be here. Thank you for the people who showed up and actually rode in a car and got up this morning. Uh, I just... I want you to work through us. I want you to open our minds and guide us and give us the energy to radically and compassionately accept and make room for people. I want you to speak to our pastoral team, to our teaching team, to our youth ministry, but also just to the congregation as a whole. And I want you to teach us how to love people and how to be ready for them when they're here and how to adapt to them and to acknowledge their love and their gifts. I pray that you give these people grace with us um, and give us some time to reflect and also the ability to communicate with them and to love them. Um, Just thank you for today. Thank you for the youth. Um, Thank you for our pastoral team and our tech team, and the worship pastors, and pastors, worship leaders. Uh, I just thank you for this space. In your name we pray. Amen. We hope this teaching has encouraged and challenged you. 
We always have more resources available at our website, lbcf.org. And wherever you are and wherever you're listening, we pray you be filled with grace to learn to live in love like Jesus.